me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. From the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Hello, Simon Provan. Finally in the same studio for the first time in almost, it's almost been a month, basically. It's crazy. It's yeah. a little yeah. crazy to think about, but we are finally back together. You were traveling, I was traveling, and now we've traveled to the same studio together, finally, and we're... Everything is right with the world again, I feel Absolutely. like. It's a, it's a good feeling to be back, though. We are thrilled. We've got a good show in store for you today. Uh, a little bit more MLS and USA-focused show today. Of course, as many folks know, Friday is the USA-Mexico down in Columbus, Dos Acero, all that fun jazz. So we will have uh, Brian Dunseth of SiriusXM joining us. Uh, in our second segment, and then in our final segment, Matt Doyle is going to jump from MLSsoccer.com over to here really quick and help us kind of digest all the craziness that took place in the playoffs for MLS last week. And then, of course, uh, we have the conference finals as well coming up, which will yeah, be even it, more entertaining. It, it was crazy, I will say that. It was. It really was. I got a chance to catch two of the games. I know you got a chance to see most of the games, Simon. So a lot of exciting action to get to, plus some other great things with the NWSL and the U.S. Women's National Team and so much more as well. But we do want to remind you, of course, you can listen to the show live on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time, and you can find the show on demand by going to our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com, as well. You can also find us on Facebook, 2upfront. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at 2upfrontsoccer, so don't forget the soccer in there. We, of course, have our personal handles at Simon Provan, at Baxter Colburn. Yes, indeed. All right, Simon, a couple of big things to get to here in our first segment in the kick around. Uh, there's a couple of different directions. Do you want to go local, national, or international? Let's go. Let's go international and then work our way in. Ah, How about all that? right. Sounds good. Well, ahead of the USA Mexico game on Friday, Jurgen Klinsmann has already announced that Tim Howard, not Brad Guzan, will be the starting goalkeeper, or at least his current number one going into this camp. Things maybe might change. I really doubt it. But Tim Howard, back as the starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team. Your thoughts when you first heard that, Simon? He earned it. He did. I'm, I'm okay with this. Uh, Guzan is over at Middlesbrough. He's not playing much. Not really, no. Um, he's got Victor Valdez, I think, in front of him. Right, but right. Even still. But he's not getting uh, you know first-team football right now, other than being on the bench and watching it. Yeah. Tim Howard, I, look... Just see that, watch that shootout against the LA Galaxy. He was phenomenal in that. He, he obviously was. studies his players, and you know he really, 
You're going up against Mexico. I personally think this is going to be a very powerful Mexico team. Yes. Yep. You, you need your best keeper at the moment. And right now, to me, that is Tim Howard. And actually, I don't, I don't even see Guzan as a number two. I, I think Ethan Horvath right now is, is positioned to be a number two, if I'm going to be honest with you, Baxter. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that the decline of Brad Guzan has been a fairly steady post uh, post. Copa America, post Gold Cup. I mean, it was we gave him a chance when it was what every you know Brad Guzan lover wanted. They're like, give Brad a chance to show what he's capable of doing, and then let's make the decision from there. And I think a lot of people thought that Tim Howard was done. Yeah, and it's not that. Well, absolutely, it did seem like that. Now, just to go back to Guzan, you know, just looking at the stats here, he's only played two games so far in the Premier League. Yeah, um, six saves. Now he did have a clean sheet out of there. But again, we're, we're talking about a player who's not seen regular time. Exactly. Where I don't. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the Italian national team coach says about MLS. It's <laughs> it's it's still professional soccer, and I personally feel it's it's a good level of soccer. Yeah. Tim Howard's playing day in day out. Now, the the one thing you're going to say that you could say here is that at least. Brad Guzan is at a club where he's challenging somebody every day, and Tim Howard's not really being challenged at the Rapids. You know, Zach That's McMath true, yeah. had a fantastic season, and if this is going to be a more honest league, a more honest team, there is going to be a battle for goalkeeper. Yeah. But because of who Tim Howard is, because of what he's getting paid, he was directly shipped in as the number one goalkeeper for the Rapids. That said... Especially in the last three weeks, he's performed incredibly well. Yeah, I would agree with you. You can't really look around to any uh, MLS team and honestly say that there is a week-in and week-out goalkeeper battle. It just doesn't happen. There's, I think, a big drop-off. As much as we love our goalkeepers in the United States and in MLS, if you go from the one to two goalkeeper, there's a massive drop-off. Kind of well, like the quarterbacks we, as well in NFL. We saw that in New York City and their their playoff <laughs> that Saunders all of a sudden gets the yank and uh, yeah. uh, you know the backup keeper goes in. Gives up seven goals over two games. We'll talk about it later, but man, what what a ridiculous way that that was all handled by uh, uh, Patrick Vieira. Vieira, thank you. Yes, it was very interesting to say the least. Uh, but I, I'm curious to think. I think Tim Howard, he knows the game. He knows the system. I think the fact that he's going to be between the posts just adds another level of excitement to Friday's game. Well, and he, and he knows how to command that box. He knows how exactly. to command his defenders. He's not afraid to get up and, and, no, and, and give his defenders a, a, you know, a, a one-two if he needs to. Yep. And that's what you want in a game against Mexico. That's exactly. A, that's the type of goalkeeper you want in that, in that type of environment. You're absolutely correct about that. All right, let's go from international down to the national scale for a moment. 48 MLS players. This kind of uh, relates to the national level or international level a little bit. 48 MLS players have been called to represent their national teams during this upcoming international window. 19 of the 20 MLS teams have at least one player. Can you guess the one team that did not send a player, Simon? I'm going to guess it's the team that, uh, the crest that you're wearing on your chest right now, Baxter, the New England Revolution. That is absolutely correct, yes. 19 of the 20 MLS teams are sending players. The Sounders and the Whitecaps are sending seven players each. And it's... it's just interesting that there's certain teams that are obviously much worse than what the Revs are overall that are sending at least one player. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that the Revs should be considered. I'm just saying that that's another clear sign right there that New England just is not doing the right thing right now. 
and I think that they need a lot of help. So, But the fact that 19 of the 20 MLS teams are being represented, I think, is a huge thing. So I'm very happy about that. Well, and it goes, it does speak to the league. Look, I was referring to before the national team coach of Italy coming out and saying, you know, I've tried to help Javinko, but let's be honest, he's playing in a league that doesn't matter and, and doesn't deserve to be called up to the team. I, I've got such a problem with that I statement. Not, not being an MLS fanboy, but for the fact that if you watch Sebastian Javinko play... It wouldn't matter right now what league he is in. No. And, and people will say, well, you look at his time in Syria. He, he failed there. Okay, but there's been plenty of players that have come back, or not have come back, but have come to MLS, revived their career, then go back to Europe, and they're phenomenal. Yeah, yeah and I, exactly. I, and Javinko just, I think, it's a couple of things. One, he appreciates the opportunity that MLS gave him. He's taken full advantage of it. And two... He's wickedly talented, and he's he showing is. that now. And if he were to go back to Europe, you would see that happen. You would see him play very well over there. So why not at least give a man who is on fire, scoring a, a hat-trick in the playoffs, give him the opportunity to show what he can do for the national team? Yeah, I am 100% on board with you on that one. I think that the fact that he's not been given that opportunity, I think, is just absolutely ludicrous because he is a talented player. He would be able to go to any team anywhere and instantly make them better. Even if it's a Real Madrid, he's a he's a dynamic player. He commands respect when he has the ball, and he can make plays out of nothing, which is what you want in a, in a goal scorer. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I just think it's a little crazy that he still isn't getting considered for a national team. Gio DeSantos did get a call though from those that were worried back in the day. I mean, you know, he declined supposedly his call up for Copa America. Right. But now he's he's like, "Oh, USA Mexico. Well, yeah, I'm all there." So Well, and and, and we got to be pretty excited that he ends the season with the LA Galaxy with a missed PK. <laughs> Tim Howard's going, "Yes, got him. I love it." But yeah, looking uh through the the nations being represented, the US of course leads the way. They've got 10. Panama has 6. Jamaica has five, Canada has five, Costa Rica has four, then it kind of dribbles down from there. It is surprising that Jamaica only has one player because back in the day you would see, uh, oh, five players. Oh, okay, I haven't looked in a while. Last I checked, <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I was, yes. about to, yeah, I was about to throw out that number, but uh, when I was looking at this, I think two days ago, it was only one player under yeah. Jamaica. Yep, Andre Blake, O'Neill Fisher, Sean Francis, Omar Holness, and Damian Lowe are all the five Jamaicans. I sit corrected. It is all good, yes. But, uh, yeah, Laurent Simon being called for Belgium as well, too. So that's interesting, though, that you've got, you know, Belgium and Italy kind of, some would argue, on the same level. um, And Belgium's national team coach still okay with calling in his MLS, his lone MLS player, into the national team. Well... Yeah, it goes back to when Javinko first said he was coming to MLS. The current coach at that time said he was very supportive of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a tough situation for Javinko. But yeah, you got a powerful nation like Belgium calling up players from MLS. That says a lot. That says a lot, a lot, honestly. All right, uh, and finally, let's jump down to the local level. uh, A a derby among the Wisconsin faithful, Marquette and Wisconsin. Yeah, women's soccer taking on each other in the first round of the NCAA Division one women's soccer championship wisconsin traveling to milwaukee oh, i'm sorry marquette traveling to madison to take on uw wisconsin this is on friday at november 11th at 7 p.m so if you're local maybe you want to set the dvr for the u.s mexico game and go watch this game live that's a tough choice baxter very Seems tough like it would be a good one for sure i i'm i haven't gotten a chance to get out to a local soccer game in a while but this might be one that i might have to 
hit the road for? Well, the last time they played was back on August 11th uh, exhibition game. The Badgers won that one 2-0, and that was Ooh. actually at Marquette. So we'll see what happens here. And real quick, Baxter, the men's team over at UWM hosting the Horizon League tournament. Winner of that tournament automatically goes to the NCAA. They play Thursday night uh, in a, I believe it's quarterfinal, taking on University of Illinois Chicago. That game nice. at 3 o'clock. Uh, actually, that, well, I guess the tournament... I thought the tournament was at Milwaukee, but I guess they don't do that. Anyways, the game's in Dayton, Ohio, but you can watch it on ESPN3. So either way, you get to see the game Thursday night. So Absolutely. Best wishes to all the Milwaukee teams, well, Wisconsin teams in this yes, case. Yes, exactly. Go Big Red is... Well, I guess. I don't know. Either way, go Wisconsin soccer. All right, when we come back, Sirius XM's Brian Dunseth will be with us on the shopfootsell.com call-in line. Stay tuned for more. Welcome back to Two Up Front from the Attention Era Media Studios, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. Yeah, and this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan. Today is a great day, isn't it? It's beautiful. Nice, another great, beautiful fall day here in Milwaukee. It is. It's weird because it's been above 60 degrees past November 1st. A little, a little scary in some ways, Baxter. Some might say that the uh, the winter might be even worse than the, tonight's election. We'll have to see, I guess. But uh, Impossible. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, when you speak about politics, you know, people talk about the United States. You know, you, you hear about Mexico. You hear about all the other things. But you also talk about it from a soccer perspective. It has an entirely different meaning, Simon. And we have the opportunity to speak with a gentleman that knows a thing or two about the soccer world. Uh, he's a host on SiriusXM. He's a part of the Real Salt Lake broadcast. And basically anybody else that is credible in soccer, he's done something for them at some point. And now he's back on the program with us on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line. It is Brian Dunseth. Welcome back to the show, Brian. What's up, guys? How are you? Doing well, Brian. We are we are thrilled to have you uh, back on the show. Uh, an exciting weekend of MLS action, of course, behind us. Uh, real quickly, what were your thoughts about all the chaos that took place this last weekend? Oof, uh, not a good night to be Patrick Vieira, uh, meeting with Farron Soriano and the um, City Brass. Uh, still don't understand how uh, Sebastian Giovinco uh, is not only uh, an MLS MVP candidate uh, uh, or how Ventura uh, dismisses him so easily from the Italian national team. Uh, and poor Bruce, sad face Bruce, walking <laughs> off the field in Colorado. Uh that was a surprise to me. Yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, a bit of a shocker. I mean, Bruce has been known as the playoff master. Yeah, you, you just wonder, I mean, how, how much those injuries really devastated that group. I, I don't think that team ever really got past Nigel DeYoung leaving halfway through the year. Uh, Giassi Zardes, uh, that injury was devastating. No one really talking about that. Yeah. Uh, but Steven Gerrard and, and, and Robbie Keane this year, uh, despite having double digits and both goals and assists for both of them, um, I, I think kind of struggled 
for, I, I think, overall consistency <clears throat> and speaking to the difficulties of, of staying healthy in this type of league with this much travel and all the time changes and everything that comes with it. Well, speaking of injuries and uh, replacements, I'd like to shift over to the U.S. national team and, and preview this game that we got coming up on Friday, the big one against Mexico. Uh, recently announced Alan Gordon actually replacing Jordan Morris. Just curious about your thoughts on that uh, on that call-up for Gordon. Yeah, smash and grab. Uh, what does Gordo have, two appearances for the national team? Um, I, I think this is just a recognition of, uh, of Jurgen that – you know, Jordan was going to play probably Jordan Morris play a, a really small role um, had he have been healthy. Uh, Giassi Zardes and Clint being out um, obviously devastate the options coming off the bench. I, I just look at it as an easy option to turn to in the final minutes um, when you need a guy either to hold the ball up or or you need uh, one of the former Bash brothers to start flying in with that <laughs> six foot four frame um, against the Mexican defense and cause some havoc. How much do you think that the um, the issue for Sasha Kleshin this last weekend might affect him with the national team? I know it's going to be about a week that he'll have to kind of digest things, but it was pretty obvious that he was pretty you know upset at himself at his play. Is that going to carry over? Do you think to the national team? Um, no, knowing Sasha as well as I do, I don't think so. Um, maybe if he steps to the penalty spot during the match, he'll maybe second guess himself. But Sasha's always been a, a very confident, not a cocky, a very confident player. Um, he, he's one of the best teammates uh, that I've been alongside when he first came in the league at Chivas USA. Um, he's one of the best guys that I know off the field. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, th- I think more importantly, just getting a mask to protect what looked like a, a, a pretty good broken nose. Um, I think that's the only factor. The biggest question is, what, what does Jurgen Klinsmann do? I, I think we all want to think we understand what Jurgen Klinsmann will do. Uh, but when you take a look at this roster, it goes right back out the window. Well, speaking of rosters, looking over at Mexico's side, you know they've got a they've got a young squad mixed in with some very experienced players, maybe too experienced with uh, Rafa still being called up. But they also have a coach, Juan Carlos Osario, who obviously spent time in MLS, may know the U.S. players well. Do you think this is perhaps uh, a, a chance for Mexico to to break the curse of the Doce Cero? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I 100% think there's a, a really good chance. Um, he, and I've, I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks on the series. The, the weird thing for me um, is, number one, Juan Carlos Osorio, uh, where you think he's a complete idiot, where you think he's a savant. Um, he's very forthright and, and honest with the way he views the game. Um, I think at times it, it, it borders on uh, being maniacal, um, but... You know, this rotation policy is something that we never really have seen in Mexico. Um, and for him to come out last week and, and so publicly um, talk about him and his staff keeping an eye on the American players, not only in MLS, but around the world, and even point out uh, Alfredo Morales uh, at Ingolstadt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, that, that was the depth in which we were used to seeing. And, and even Janusz Mahalik, who had played with him uh, over in Connecticut back in the day in college, said, you know, this this is the type of guy he is. He's a taskmaster. He's, he's very detail-oriented. Um, for as much as I say that, I think his policy, his rotation policy, th- this idea of uh, constantly being on the forefront of changing his system and looking for the weaknesses and looking to expose the weaknesses of his opponent, 
has gone down um, and, and very, very poorly uh, south of the border in Mexico. Amongst the fans, the media, the former managers, Piojo has been very outspoken about it as well. Um, there has been no semblance of understanding from the outside looking in what he's trying to articulate to his players on the field. Um, and even this week, talking about psychologically that maybe these players aren't necessarily primed for success because of uh, the hypersensitive focus that's being placed on them week in, week out, day in, day out, in all the papers and television uh, stations. So this this will be a big one. I, I don't think the Mexican public, I don't think the team has gotten past that drubbing um, against uh, Chile in the Copa Centenario mm-hmm. uh, in Santa Clara, the 7 nothing loss. Um, and it'll be very, very fascinating to see how Juan Carlos Osorio um, sets up his team and start, uh, sets up his starting 11. Because if Roth is in there, um, it leads me to believe it'll be a three-man back line, overloaded numbers in the midfield, um, which potentially could be in favor of a guy like uh, Bobby Wood and Josie Altador, uh, just with their physical presence and uh, the ability of Bobby to kind of stretch the field a little bit. For those that are, are big U.S. men's national team fans, especially for the future, can we expect to see a lot or a little of Julian Green and Kristen Pulisic in this game based off of their recent performances? Yeah, I, w- I would say uh, way more from Christian Pulisic just because I think he's going to be the United States' first $50 million transfer uh, sometime mm. within the next six or seven years. Um, I just think he is so immensely talented, um, and he's the first one to really come through to remind us all of Demarcus Beasley and Landon Donovan uh, at yeah. young ages in the U.S. system. Well, he's he's um, so confident, and so exciting to watch as well. No matter who he's playing with, yeah, he he is. I, I think he just gets it. I mean, you just watch the way that kid reads the game. You watch his center of balance. Uh, it takes away all the biggest, fastest, strongest type of mentality. Um, the way he manipulates the ball, his technical ability, his his level of balance. How he gets himself out of one-on-one, two-v-one, three-v-one situations, recognizing when to pass, when to play, when to settle. Um, and plus, he's left-footed. I mean, I think he's he's kind of a unicorn that we all are just hoping <laughs> that we can bubble wrap uh, yeah. and not turn into the next Jordan Morris or the next Julian Green or the next Freddie Adu. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that one. I, I'm certainly curious to see what these guys do. And I know that, of course, after Julian Green had his two-game run there that last time the U.S. took the field, everybody was a little bit more interested and be like, oh, okay, is he going to be more you know, involved in this U.S. team roster? But you, people need to realize, though, that this is a long road, of course, with the Hex for, for qualifying. And you don't yeah. want to necessarily show all of your cards right away. As much as, of course, you want to beat Mexico, you need to be smart about the players that are on the field, of course, as well. But... I do think that you know guys like Josie and Bobby Wood are hopefully going to get some quality minutes and hopefully showcase that they are still very viable, dynamic, striking options for the U.S. Yeah, and and I would say also, and and I think Jurgen kind of played his hand with Jermaine Jones today publicly talking about the importance of it. Um, I think the hardest thing for a fan base to understand is is it doesn't matter where a player plays, uh, it doesn't matter what position a player plays. Uh, the, the 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 only thing that really matters with the national team is if Jurgen trusts him. Yeah. And if Jurgen wants to go to war, uh, and and knows that the moment that he puts a player on the field, he he knows what he's going to get. I think at this point, watching Pulisic develop not only with the national team, uh, and even since Centenario. I mean, it hasn't been that long since he was only a substitute coming off the bench in games that really didn't matter when they were chasing and there was no chance the U.S. was going to get back. 
um, to see what he's done in, in Champions League, to see what he's done in the Pokal, uh, see what he's done in Bundesliga. Um, I think now Jurgen feels like he can trust him and he can go to war and he knows what he's going to get. I, you cannot say the same. I don't care what anyone says. You cannot say the same for Julian Green. Uh, he's still miles off right now where Christian Pulisic is. Is he an incredible young talent? Absolutely. Is he one of the biggest clubs in the world? Absolutely. Uh, but he's not getting nearly the same amount of game time um, and highly volatile situations that Christian Pulisic has been getting both for national team uh, and for uh, Borussia Dortmund. Brian, these interviews always go so much shorter than we'd love them to go. I, I appreciate your insight, and I, I know we've got to get up to a break here, but but thanks again for spending time with us and, and sharing your thoughts on this game. Like I said, we could talk to you for four more segments and still not get through all of it. <laughs> yeah, guys, anytime you need me, let me know, man. I'm always down to hang out and talk with you. Well, we appreciate it, Brian. Uh, you definitely enjoy the rest of your week as well, sir, and we, uh, we hope to talk to you again in the upcoming future. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. No problem at all. There goes Brian Dunseth on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. We are going to run to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the NWSL and the U.S. Women's National Team. Boston's basically signing everybody. There's a lot of things. We need to talk about it. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub, right after this. Here in the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Baxter, you know the U.S.-Mexico game is not the only big game going on on Friday. Really? Uh, I am of Scottish heritage. I think we talked about that. That's why. That's why I've got a little bit of this red beard going on. That makes sense. I thought you were a pirate. Well, it's kind of both. I I don't think there's much pirate in my family. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) England is taking on Scotland. Oh, I got a great place for you to go to watch this game. Okay, actually watch both games while you're there. Why not? Three Lines Pub in Shorewood, our presenting sponsor. Uh, One forty-five p.m. is the England Scotland game, and of course the U.S. Mexico game at seven p.m. Obviously, both on Friday. So there's expecting huge crowds over that Three Lines Pub, which of course you want. So. If you can't fly over to England on Friday, if you can't drive down to Columbus on Friday, head over to Three Lines Pub and experience a great soccer atmosphere, get some great food while you're at it, and of course, some great drinks as well. Mm, I could go for some food right about now. I am starving. My goodness. Either way, though, yes, that's that's a it's a very exciting time, of course, if you are a soccer fan or a fan of, you know, matter, no matter what national team you support, Three Lines Pub and Red Lines Pub, the place to be. I've been, I know we didn't have this on the boards, Baxter, to talk about, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but uh, I've been reading that that 
Scotland has a chance really? to take down England at Wembley. Well, um, England's been a little iffy. Well, that's it. At the same time, I know a defender for Tottenham. Look, I'm not going to fake like I actually know the Scottish national team. I root for them, but I don't really know many of the players playing. <laughs> then again, I know I'm not alone in that, even in Scotland. Um, True. <laughs> but I know they had a defender uh, playing with Tottenham that went down over the mm. weekend, which is a huge blow to them. So so that may have, may have changed they some of the preview articles up. I read. Yeah, I, I still think you see England winning that game. But still, I'll be cheering on the, the Scottish team. And if I wasn't teaching at that time, I'd be heading down to the Three Lines pub. I can tell you that. There you go. All right. So let's take a look at the United States women's national team. Uh, a friend of the show, Jess McDonald, we had talked about it and with her a couple, well, about a couple months ago now at this point. Uh, you, know, you know, do you think you'll ever get back to the national team? And she's like, well, yeah, they'd be great. But I think she kind of also was like, guys. She scoffed a little she's bit. She's like, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a little yeah. old for that yeah. now. Like, that's not what Jill Ellis is doing. And then suddenly, over the course of a series of unfortunate events, or fortunate events, depending on who you talk to, Jess McDonald now finds herself a part of the U.S. women's national team after injuries uh, to Hinkle and Klingenberg. Well, and I'm going to say it. God bless her for it. You know, she, she has worked so it. hard. She's been traded from team to team to team. Paul Riley, head coach over at Western New York Flash, who Jess plays for, you know, he had said when he went over to Western New York Flash, one of the first players he wanted was Jessica McDonald. Yeah. Because he loves... Her fighting spirit, not just on the field, but yeah. off the field, how she doesn't let anything get her down. And and you saw her fantastic play in the NWSL championship yeah. game. You saw her fantastic All play season. throughout this entire season, yeah. one of the top leading scorers in the league. And she gets what she deserves, a call-up to the U.S. Women's National Team. So I'm, I'm very excited for her, and hopefully she gets some minutes to show what she can do. I hope so, yeah, because you look at the uh, the forwards that she's now battling with. It's her and Crystal Dunn, Alex Morgan, Kelia Ojai, Kristen Press, and Lynn Williams. So I'm, I'm hoping that the, the Western New York Flash connection will continue. I'd love to see McDonald and Williams on the field for at least a little bit. If I'm Jill Ellis, I'm going to say, hey, it worked so well. Let's throw Sam Mewis behind them and make Exactly, right. Let's just see what happens for a couple minutes, you know? Like, who's to say that, you know, something really good couldn't happen because these three gals already know each other so well? Well, and McDonald isn't a stranger to the U.S. Women's National Program. No. She did play with the 17s, the 20s, the 23s. And in fact, Baxter, according to U.S. Soccer, Ellis actually coached Jessica McDonald in hey, the hey. Uh, U20 women's national team Pan-American Games in 2007. So there is a relationship. There's a history there. Yes. No, you're absolutely right about that. Looking at this roster, though, that will be taking on Romania, the goalkeepers, uh, Adriana French, Ashlyn Harris, Alyssa Nayer, three obviously very good goalkeepers. Yeah, I think you'll see a battle there between Harris and, and yes. Nayer for the starting position there. French is, I think, more of a, just a insurance and also you know get some more experience. Well, and I think well-deserved call-up as well, though. I mean, she had a... She missed a few games, but she was fantastic in goal yep. as well when she did play for the Thorns. So. You're absolutely right. Uh, goal, uh, defenders are Abby Delcamper, uh, Julie Johnston, Ali Krieger, Emily Mengus, Kelly O'Hara, Becky Sauerbrunn, and Casey Short. So Casey Short getting a, another another round to show what she can do. I think that's good. She didn't have the best of showings in those two friendlies that they recently yeah, I did had. I hear a lot of criticism about her play. Right, but you know, a young, young gal coming into the mix, 
perhaps nerves got to her. So mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's very responsible of Jill Ellis to say, you know what, let's give you another chance. So you, you got a couple of games under your belt now. Let's give it another shot. Uh, by the way, U.S. Soccer needs to update Ellie Krieger's team to uh, Orlando Pride, yep, no longer with the Washington that. Spirit. Yep, yep. And then the midfielders are Morgan Bryant, Kristen Edmonds, who was just on the program recently. So congratulations to Chris. Uh, uh, she was Kristen. another one too, who yeah. who wasn't quite sure if she like, she'd get that call up. Sure, guys. Sure. And it's so funny too. She doesn't. She's listed as a defender for the Pride, but she's listed as a midfielder for the national team. I, I have no idea. She can score goals. That's all that matters. Exactly. Uh, Lindsay Horan, Allie Long, Sam Mewis, Megan Rapino, and Andy Sullivan uh, from Stanford are all your midfielders. Yeah, I, I, I liked that tone of voice when you said Rapino, as if you're a little bit surprised by that call-up. I, I still am, not just because of the controversy, but... Yeah. You're bringing in all these younger players. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe you do need some of that veteran presence uh, for leadership qualities. And I can see the reason maybe for why they called her in aside from that is because they, she didn't get the last call up. So they gave her a little bit of time away, not only from NWSL, but also from the national team to kind of sort her things out. So I'm wondering if that month or two break maybe was a good thing for Rapino. And now Ellis is saying, all right, let's see where you're at now, you know mentally on the field etc cetera, etc cetera, and kind of gauge you from there because as you mentioned even from a veteran perspective if you can help influence some of these younger gals on the team you know Megan Rapino, regardless of what she does off the field is incredibly talented on the field absolutely no doubt about it so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do when they do take on Romania but at the same time I mean I think that they've got a, a very viable chance of course I mean November 13th and November 10th are their two games uh, at Avaya Stadium and the Stub Hub Center so San Jose and Carson, California. If you happen to be in those vicinities, go and check out the games. If not, they'll be on ESPN2 uh, and FS1, uh, respectively, on those. Uh, all right. Uh, real, I was just going to say real quick, if you want to know a little bit more about Romania, I am not pushing USsoccer.com today, but there is a nice article, USsoccer.com, five things to know about Romania. So we're not going to go through those since you can read them, but check it out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, let's briefly talk. Uh, a gal that was on the show, we've had a weird history of people that have been on the show that either go and score goals, they get national team call-ups, or they retire. Man in Malice is retiring from uh, from soccer. She's just retired from the Seattle Reign, which is interesting because I asked I asked her that question when she was on about you know what next year are you with Seattle or do you go yeah. back to Europe? And her reply was, "I'm not sure about anything right now." Yeah. So you wonder how long she's actually been thinking retirement. Yeah, she did have a uh, a fractured tibia, um, but she did appear in 16 of the Reigns' 20 games uh, this season. She started 15 of them, returned from injury, found her form, as we all know, and scored you know a goal in at least five straight matches as well. Well, little offshoot comment here, Baxter, on the uh, NWSLsoccer.com page where it has the announcement, the headline of sure. Malice retiring. She's about to give Kristen Winters a hug, who also retired this year. Keelan who all Winters. Keelan, sorry. Yes. Who was also on the show. <laughs> Just going back to your this point about funny, the, yeah. the two-up-front effect. It's a, I don't know, is it a curse? It is a blessing? It depends. Two-thirds of it is a blessing, I feel like. I mean, Although I guess retiring is it's not, a, it's not a bad thing if you get to walk no. away, especially if you get to walk away on your own terms. Agreed, yes. I think that, that makes it all worth it, I feel like, at the end of the day, if you can walk away under your own power. But uh, Man and Malice, as many folks know, especially Seattle Rain fans dynamic player nothing but good for for the team as a whole so maybe we can uh, check in with her uh, in the next couple of weeks and say hey man and since you're retired now you know give us a little bit more insight about what's going on i guess but uh we'll have to see if our, our pr people can get a hold of her but uh one other thing i want to talk about i'm on it there you go thank you that was jim he's a nice guy 
uh, or Simon. Either way, <laughs> same people basically. But uh, the Boston Breakers um, continue to sign people left and right, and they're apparently going to be announcing a new signing, I think, sometime today as well. But I'm a little curious, I guess, to get your thoughts, Simon, with the people that they continue to add. Is it even is it, is it going to do any good? I feel like. I mean, you got half the roster, and then you bring in a new supposed better half of the roster. Is it actually a positive or a negative? I think it can only be a positive in the end with how poorly Boston was. Look, part of this is is Boston wants to be a big club. They have an academy, yep. just got admitted to the U.S. Uh, Girls Soccer Academy. Yep. Uh, so they've got aspirations to do well, and the only way you can do that is to sign better players. Yeah, and right. uh, you know they're they're obviously they're on their season ticket push as well. They were yeah. one of the lesser attended clubs last year. If they want to survive, if they want to do well, you got to bring in fresh blood, and that's what they're doing. So you got to give Boston credit for that. Yeah, and I think they had to go through and kind of trim some of the fat, I think, from their team and be like, look, we've got a lot of players on our team, but do we have a lot of game changing players? And I think that's probably why we saw so many players cut, but then also some of those players brought back. You know, Steph Rodoya, she was on the program last week. She got brought back. Julie King, she's been brought back. We haven't heard too much about Whitney Engen yet. We know that she has said she was stepping away from soccer, but she's still listed on Boston's uh, roster of current players, and they've been pretty active about cutting and adding as the players come along. So it makes, well, me, makes me wonder about that. And you got to wonder about head coach Matt Beard as well, how much he's had a say in this. I imagine he's had a lot. You know, I mean, yeah. he, had, he had coached the Liverpool ladies before he came over to Boston in the FA Women's Super League. They had back-to-back titles when he was there. He's not used to losing. No, he's so, not. So it makes sense why he'd be blowing up this roster and saying, hey, I want to bring in, I don't know why I'm doing Australian. I but was I, say, I was like, <laughs> oi, that's yeah, enough. You know, he wants, to, he wants to bring in players that yep. perhaps can identify with the system that he wants to instill over in Boston. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Well, so far they've brought in um, Emily Hava, or Javi, I don't, know how to, I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce her name, so apologies, uh, and Amanda DaCosta as well. Uh, from totally different teams. so And supposedly many more are on the way, uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on what Boston decides to do. Yeah, I don't know much about Javi, but what I've read about her, she's been a very solid, uh, celebrated player uh, over in Europe as well as um, you know around the world, really. Yeah. She's a very good player from what I've heard, and that's what the, uh, the Breakers lacked last year was a lot of goals, so why not bring in a gal that knows how to score some goals? Makes sense to that me. That makes sense to me, How do yeah. you solve a problem like not scoring goals? Well, you bring in players that can score goals. That's right. Simple enough as that. Boom. Speaking of someone that likes to score goals, we're going to talk about Sebastian Giovinco in our next segment and the MLS MVP conversation. I know Simon has some smoke he wants to blow off. I need to do a little bit of that as well. And then finally in our final segment, Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com will be with us to help talk about the playoffs. The armchair analyst. Exactly. We'll be back with more on Two Up Front presented by Three Lions Pub right after this.
Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Alliance Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan. We move along with the show. Reminder for you, of course, you can get it on demand by going to our website, twoupfrontsoccer.com. You can find all other great stuff on there as well. Uh, and be sure to cho- uh, tune in on Tuesday before Thanksgiving. We have a uh, fun, exciting announcement to mm. make about another sponsor, Baxter. Oh, we do, do we? That's interesting. Yes. So. No, I, I actually know about that. <laughs> I'm trying to act like, wait, what? Like, no, we do. It's very exciting. Exciting times at Two Up Front, for sure. And possible other announcements as well coming down the road. As always, well. always. Try to keep things fresh and exciting here on Two Up Front. That's how we... Uh, get to do what we get to do on a daily basis or a weekly basis I suppose. A very exciting way to say that Baxter yes <laughs> there you go alright uh, let's talk about some MLS um, you want to gloat so I'll let you gloat first so we get that out of the way so uh, when I wasn't on the show I called in when I was going through the drive through and uh, you had asked me well what do you think about LA Colorado I said you know what Baxter I'm actually going to take Colorado in this game but in a shootout mm-hmm so, and yeah, I, I had sure to gloat enough, a little bit. It happened. I'm like, Baxter, I called it. Two you, you texted me immediately. It's was like, I so called it. I'm like, nicely done. And then I realized I got to stop, you know, getting so excited because it makes me look less and less like a soccer pundit um, when I get excited when things turn out like I call them. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, when Barry Sanders would score a touchdown. He wouldn't celebrate. He'd just no, give the ball just to the, the ref. Like, yeah, I'm, like, used, I'm supposed to be used here. to doing this. Exactly. It's like, I'm supposed to be here, so there you go. So <clears throat> uh, Colorado beat L.A. in a shootout, <laughs> and that was my prediction. Some of you may have remembered that I made that prediction. So, ha! <laughs> like, okay. Thank you, Simon. So I know, Baxter, you said that you hadn't, uh, that you didn't have time or, or, well, you were busy with a pregnant wife and, yeah, and, and traveling the for, world. Still waiting for the baby to come up. So but, you didn't get a chance to fill out your MLS Playoff bracket. I've been I've been pretty happy with mine. I did take Seattle and Colorado to make it all the way to the Western Conference Championship. I I I mentally took Seattle. I believe that. I believe that. Uh, Eastern Conference, though, I did have the Red Bulls going up against Toronto. So my three of four are alive. I did pick the Red Bulls to win it all. So I'm I'm screwed there. Yeah, but I did have Colorado going to the final. So. Getting that out of the way, I had New York and Colorado in the MLS Cup final. So maybe I'll get half of the teams right. I don't and know. That's, I think at this point, I mean, it's going to depend a lot on how Jordan Morris's injury plays out, I feel. Like the fact that he's not going to national team camp, I think, will do him good. That'll give yeah. him a week to yeah. rest and kind of get it all together. That was the first thing I noticed, too, that the announcers kept talking about. It's like Jordan Morris is on the bench. He's hurt. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, and of course, the games aren't, the championship finals aren't until November 22nd. So plenty of time for players to heal up. Yes, because you've got the international break, of course, this week. So we'll talk with Matt Doyle about those matches as a whole in those series. But we can look back, I guess, briefly yeah, about we how should. the games went. Right. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm at a loss for words about what, if you're NYCFC at this point, okay. I guess. So, Good. so let's, this, let's go with that first. This is what I, uh, Brian Dunseth had said a little bit about it. I, I hinted at it in our first yep. segment. But Vieri, what the heck was he doing with it? Was, was he just like, okay, I got to the playoffs? Eh. I'm done. This is good enough. I think so. Because you, you take your starting goalkeeper, Josh Saunders, who surprised a lot of people this year, including myself, with how well he played. Yeah. You change up your formation. You you get rid of the spine of the team that you had. How are you expecting to win? And, you, you know, you got to almost wonder, was Josh Saunders sitting back a little bit going, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is fun. Oh, I think so. I, I would not even be surprised at all if he's, you know, maybe if there had been a cut shot to him on the bench with him, like, you know, a brief, you catch a little smirk right. or something, be like, oh. Listen, I'll tell you what, Baxter, uh, Toronto, 
they were they were the one away team that I saw this weekend that came out and just said, "Hey, you know what? We're up three nothing. We don't care. No. We, we uh, you know they score early with with Javinko. Yep, and uh, they, they just they destroyed New York City. Even when they came out at half, they said, "Nope, we're not done. No, we are making a statement." A lot of people thought it was going to be a New York derby, but what ends up happening? It's a Canadian derby, which I think in the Eastern Conference Championship. And I think Montreal, I think, is the absolute, you know. You know, surprise out of all of these yes, games. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think. I mean, with, with as much as we talked about it on the show, they were terrible down the stretch. They are pulling an LA Galaxy this year. Mm-hmm. Piatti was on fire. Yeah. Now, the thing I'll say about this game against the Red Bulls that was interesting to me, and actually what I was seeing was the Red Bulls dominating most of the game, and all of the impact's goals were coming off the run of play. Yeah. But... Both times that Piatti scored, he was wide open. How do you leave a player like Nacho Piatti wide open? Now, I think part of that speaks to his brilliance as a player, that yes. he knows how to make those awesome off-the-ball runs. But my goodness, he was he was out of his mind. Well, one of the things you can look at, too, for Montreal, that second goal that Piatti scored, it was Drogba that had the ball in the middle, of the, on the top of the AT, and so naturally players are going to draw towards a dominant player like Drogba, but they left that beautiful gap open that any as you're taught as a forward, well, if you've got a guy coming on your side, just lay it off, boom, back of the net. And both Piatti goals were just incredible. I think Absolutely. both Piatti and Jovinko called each other and said, look, let's just have some fun and make people realize that they were foolish for not making us MVP candidates. The goal of the playoffs, though, Gashi oh, for Colorado. Gosh. Oh, gosh. If that's not a sports center top number one pick so. <laughs> for a week I don't know straight. If it was, but I hope so. I don't know either. I don't, I don't watch SportsCenter much anymore. But my goodness. Now, I, I will say that Colorado LA series in and of itself was pretty much a snooze fest. It was. I think it, I was a little surprised by that, honestly. I was hoping for much more excitement. But think about it, though. Colorado, not a dominant offensive team, and L.A., an injured team, as Brian has said, and we had said before, too. So I think we kind of got what we thought we were going to get Yeah. at the end of well, the day. When you really yeah. look at it, you're like, yeah. yeah, that's what we thought we were going to yeah. get. Well, you know, Colorado just hasn't been a, an offensive yeah. type of team. Exactly. Although Pablo Mastrani will argue with that. But I've heard so many people, <laughs> so many people have been like, Colorado doesn't have an offense. No. I'm like, Pablo, if everybody sees it but you, who's wrong well, in this his, situation? His reaction to that question is always... You know, people are saying we're not a good team. No, people people are not saying Nobody you're not a good that. team. They're you just, just can't saying score. You, you, right. Uh, Seattle, Dallas. Actually, you have to say back to so this. There were goals in this game. Yeah, but it didn't excite me too much. No, I mean, I, I watched. Uh, I would probably say three fourths of this game. I, I will say this: uh, one player that I wanted to make sure that I burned on the show was uh, Menor Figueroa. If you talk about a player that just laid an egg, the left back for FC Dallas was awful. I was shocked awful. by the last goal that uh, Seattle scored. Actually, yeah. Zimmerman losing the ball no. in the back, trying to. He has such a great season. Mm-hmm. You know, great stand-up guy. For him to make that yep. type of mistake. And he was the first guy to get subbed off in the game, too. Right. He got, he got pulled off shortly after that in the 62nd minute. I actually had no problem. I think Oscar Pereira use, uses move. that as motivation for next year. I hope so. He's such a young kid. And you talk about possible center backs for the national team coming forward. Walker Zimmerman should be in that conversation. Absolutely. But uh, overall, though, yeah, FC Dallas, they, they just still... You can't give a guy like Ladero that much open space no. freely no. for ninety minutes. No, you just can't. And they paid that. They paid that price, and 
yeah, give it a, you know, obviously the credit where credit's due. Seattle made the most of that goal when they scored it. I thought Jobin Jones played fantastic in this game as well, and Seattle was the better team. Well, look, I'll tell you this, Baxter, just looking at my bracket. You can tell that I follow the Western Conference a lot closer. <laughs> All green on that side. Look at my Eastern Conference championship. Two green, three red. Ugh. Oh, well. <laughs> but uh, the last thing I want to say, because I, w- I want to be a little bit witty, and it's not going to be witty at all. It's more of a dad joke. The defender for New York City FC that was getting burned all game, his last name was Brilliant. Yeah, not so much. Br- brilliant, exactly. Yeah, it was it was pretty sad overall. But uh, let's, let's talk briefly here for the last uh, minute and a half, two minutes, about the MVP conversation, because we realize that... MLS is wrong. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, though, you know, the the voting was going on while Javinka was injured. Yes. That's one of the parts of bad timing, no matter what the sport is, American sports specifically, when you're voting for MVP. It's terrible when somebody who's been doing so well all of a sudden gets injured for four or five games, and that's when most of the voting is actually taking place. I agree. But you should have still judged by the whole season. You should, but Baxter, who does? I mean, look at college football. Yeah. You know, you can can win tremendously throughout the entire season, then you lose your last game. Oh, you're out of the playoffs. Whereas if it's the opposite, you're in the playoffs. Yeah. It's it's the American mindset. Which is difficult, and I I think that... I think MLS finally just wanted a Red Bull or an NYCFC player to finally do something because they know the teams maybe weren't capable of doing what they wanted them to do. And it's hard because league office is in, is in New York, so of course you want to you know plug your own guys if you can. But I still I don't believe that two players from the same team should be final final MVP well, candidates. But this is part of it is understanding the way the system works. The the three finalists like the MVP was already chosen. Yeah. The three, peop- the three people listed as finalists are the th- top three vote-getters yeah. from the media, from MLS players, and from MLS personnel. Yeah. So it wasn't so much that, okay, here's our three MVP candidates. Right, I know that. You know? Yeah, it's all so, about the So voting. it wasn't, let's put these guys on the same ticket yeah. so, so much as it was, these are just the three top vote-getters. Yeah. But it, it, it's surprising when you know even MLS personnel and MLS players are doing the voting that even they didn't. Get Javinko in there. How do you not? I think an MVP is somebody that if you take them from their team and you wonder how good the team still is, you take away Sasha or BWP, the other kind of helps supplement them being gone. You take away Javinko, you take away Piatti, totally different team. Although, as we talked, I think Sasha actually has a better argument for being MVP Agreed. than Bradley Wright Phillips does. I completely Simply agree. because he, he, first of all, he was a surprise this year, but... Bradley Wright Phillips doesn't score as many goals without Sasha Kleschen. Exactly. All right, we're going to go to our final break. When we come back, Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com will be here to talk with us about the MLS playoffs in a little bit more detail. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay tuned.
inside the studio. It is Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, a fantastic show so far. We have talked about a lot of different things. We've talked about Tim Howard, USA Mexico. We talked with Brian Dunseth of Sirius XM for a little while as well, which was fantastic. Talked about the U.S. Women's National Team with Jess McDonald and some of the other things going on with that. Just talked about Javinko. Talked about MLS. We've been all over the place, but we haven't been in studio together in such a long time that we really kind of had to make it a, a crazy all over the place. Absolutely, show. it's been fun. It has. It's been a very needed show. I feel like. Well, we in our final segment normally, you know, kind of just wrap things up, but we have the opportunity to speak with uh, the armchair analyst from MLSsoccer.com, Matt Doyle. He joined us a couple weeks ago, and now he's back on the program again. Matt. Doyle Welcome back to Two Up Front, sir. Yeah, it's good to be back on the show. Well, we're thrilled to have you back on the show, Matt. Uh, we got to get your instant reactions from the chaos that took place this last weekend in MLS soccer. What did you think of how the games uh, finally you know, wrapped up, I guess? Uh, I, I think most of the teams uh, that lost paid for not getting it done in the first leg. Um, and, and for... Uh, for NYCFC, it was about, uh, and for Dallas, it was about playing too conservatively in that first leg. For New York, uh, it was about uh, not finishing their chances. And for, for LA, it was just, you know, they, they haven't had great goalkeeping all year, and that came to bite them in leg two. But uh, look, I'm not going to say these series were done. Um, certainly the New York Montreal one wasn't. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it this format rewards teams that go on the road in that opening leg and get a goal. And none of the, none of the four teams were able to do it. Uh, and because of that, three of them are going home. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. And Simon and I have talked about the the format, I guess, a little bit. And Simon, I know you've been a little bit more critical. I'm just, it. I'm not a fan of the higher seed, not even having a choice to host or not. I, 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 I think this format doesn't give enough advantage to the higher seed. And, and, you know, we go back to talking about making the regular season more meaningful. I think that's a simple fix is at least giving the higher seed that opportunity to decide if they want to host or not. But to force them to go on the road, especially against some teams like Seattle, who, you know, had that raucous win, that playoff game. Uh, now they've got all that momentum on their side, and they get to stay home and host. I, I know your colleague Andrew Weeby doesn't agree with me, but I, I think it's a it's a broken system and it's easily fixable. Um, yeah, I don't agree with you either. I, I wouldn't go so far as to to call it a broken system. I'm I'm open to the uh, I'm open to the idea of, of tinkering with it a little bit more. Um, to me, it's just the system is what it is. Uh, it did make for some exciting series, and it did make for uh, some upsets, which I thought we were all supposed to want. But apparently, everybody <laughs> always wants the higher rated, the higher seeded team to go through. Well, I just um, I, I think the opportunity for upset is is always exciting, but not when the upset is is almost I don't want to say given to the other team, but. Again, they have more more opportunity for it. It sets up the upset opportunity too much, I guess. In in my uh, humble opinion, <laughs> I, it, I I think we're just going to disagree on that one. That's uh, cool. I mean, look, <laughs> we I can under, agree to disagree. I, under, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I understand that that people have takes um, on this stuff, and and uh, you know, and I can I kind of respect that. But like to me, it's just I, I don't <laughs> look. 
the Red Bulls didn't choke in front of net because of the seating. Because of the no, seating I agree, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and Oscar Pereja and Patrick Vieira didn't completely destroy their team's confidence because of the playoff format. Yeah. They just weren't able to, to figure out what was the best way to approach it. Um, and I think that when we talk about rejiggering how we want the for, how we want the playoffs to go, we shouldn't use these results as prima facie evidence that it needs to be changed. Um, because I, I don't, I don't think that's what these results were. I think that these were, you know, for, for Dallas and New York, it was the, the New York City, rather, it was the coaches choking. And for, uh, the, you know, for New York, it was the players choking. I just, I, I wonder, Matt, and I'm not a necessarily a proponent of this, but would you be in favor at all of these being one-off games hosted by the higher seed? I would. I actually think that would be a lot better. I think you could you could run the regular season longer, in, right up to um, right up to uh, to Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and then you would have uh, you know just a very quick run through the playoffs, um, which would I mean it would almost feel like the World Cup group stage. You have three games in a week, and then you know the the champ you know not the championship, but like that sort of yeah uh, com- make it make it that compact but that's not going to happen um because <laughs> the playoffs in the playoffs in general do better ratings and, yeah sure and owners sure. like to have more games to sell out yep um so it's it's uh, as nice as it would be uh don't don't go holding your breath on yeah, that. Yeah, unfortunately, and as many folks know that follow any American sports, or just sports as a whole, it's all about the money at the end of the day. So, uh, Dan, Either way, I, I appreciate you entertaining these thoughts with me. <laughs> <laughs> these are things that Simon throws at me on a weekly basis. I'm like, uh, sure, I don't know. It's no, I mean, a- absolutely. It's, it's, it's worth discuss, uh, discussing, especially because Liga MX has a different type of system, and it seems to work pretty well for them. It's, yeah. it's stuff that people should be thinking about. I just... I don't. I just don't give that much of a damn about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we we both, uh, all three of us, I think, do give a damn about these uh, these Western and Eastern Conference championship games now with Montreal and Toronto, the the O Canada, you know, Cup basically, and then you've got Seattle, Colorado. Of these two series, I know they're both going to provide their own entertainment, but are you looking forward to watching one series over the other at all? Oh, Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference has been better and more entertaining than the Western Conference all year. Um, and I think that'll, that'll continue into, uh, into this series. And, and you add to that uh, the fact that it's uh, a, a legitimate rivalry. I mean, there's, there's no rivalry between Colorado and Seattle. You know, no. they'll, they'll, obviously, both teams will be into it and going for blood because it's the, you know, it's, it's the Western Conference Finals. But Montreal... Uh, Toronto, you roll the ball out there yeah. in any sequence or in, in any type of competition, and and it's going to be, you know, they're going to crank it up to eleven, and I can't wait for that. Well, and you got to imagine for all the goals that Colorado won't score, uh, Toronto and Montreal <laughs> will make up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty good bet, especially with the way that Chavinko and uh, and Piatti are playing. And it needs to be said, it's it's not just those two guys and it's not just the Montreal Toronto rivalry which goes back centuries and it's so much bigger than just soccer um but it's it's 
philosophies on how you want to build your roster and how you want to build your team. Uh, Toronto will have 10 of 11 starters from CONCACAF uh, and probably 16 of 18 guys on their game day roster. Uh, Montreal will have 2 of 11 from CONCACAF uh, and maybe 4 uh, on their 18-man roster. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a vastly different uh, way of building teams um, and where you want to invest. And, and <laughs> it shows, I think, different organizational philosophies on how you uh, conceive of local talent. Uh, I'm going to be very open and say that I approve of Toronto's and not so much Montreal's, uh, you know, but that's why you got to play the game. Exactly. And we will see what happens. That's why they so. play the game. Uh, Matt, looking over at the West, how much of is it a, is it a blessing in disguise that Jordan Morris was taken on? You know, obviously not for him, but for Seattle, a blessing in disguise for Jordan Morris to basically now get 14 days of rest and perhaps get over that hamstring injury. Well, I mean, it would have been more of a blessing if he had never got the injury in the first place. <laughs> well, right? sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they have a lot of guys. They, I mean, Flaco Fernandez is nursing a hamstring injury. Uh, I think. Roman Torres has, I don't remember if it's a hamstring or a groin. Uh, we saw Nelson Valdez, uh, well, I guess I should call him uh, Gold Machine Nelson Valdez, uh, subbed off with cramps. So, yep. uh, like, they, they need this, this rest. And, look, if, if they all come back fit, I think they're favored. Yeah. But two weeks, isn't, that's not an especially long time to recover from a hamstring strain. Yeah, good point. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. All right, fair enough. And then finally, Matt, really fast before we let you go, do you have a USA-Mexico prediction for us? Uh, my heart says dos a cero. My, <laughs> my head says a 1-1 one, one draw. Ooh, interesting. Okay, I haven't heard a lot of I haven't lot of, heard a lot of draws. We've heard that Mexico might either run away with it or that Dosa Zero as well too for the U.S. Well, either way, we are uh, excited and thrilled to have you on the program again, Matt. So thank you for taking some time. And uh, real quick before we let you go as well, where can people find your work and find you on social media as well? Yeah, find me at MLS Analyst on Twitter. Though you might want to stay away from the next twenty-four hours because I'll be tweeting politics. Oh. <laughs> and then <laughs> everything else is on uh, MLSSoccer.com. I write the Armchair Analyst column, and you can find me there. Well, Matt, I, I am always happy to uh, debate MLS playoff formats with you, but I promise I won't debate politics with you. <laughs> <laughs> at least not for another four years. Yes. Right? Yes. So. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Matt Doyle, always a pleasure, sir. Let's do this again sometime soon. All right. Cheers. Take care, guys. Thanks, Matt. Matt Doyle, there he goes on the shopfutsal.com call in line. All of our guests appear on the shopfutsal.com call in line. Brian Dunseth was here earlier, and Matt Doyle we just heard from as well, from MLSsoccer.com as well. As we wrap things up, Simon Proven, your closing thoughts for us today. Hey, I do want to uh, do a special shout-out to Sarah Hagen of the Orlando Pride. Uh, she had cancer when she was 15. I've got a niece I've talked about on the show before. Um, uh, not struggling, battling through uh, radiation right now and Sarah was kind enough to send her an autographed jersey to give her some extra encouragement so thank you to the Pride organization thank you specifically to Sarah Hagen and Chelsea as always praying for you sweetie Absolutely. Well, that is a, that's a, a heartwarming story to go out on, so we will do that. Like we said, a special thanks, of course, to Brian Dunseth of SiriusXM and Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com for joining us on the ShopFootsall.com call-in line. He is Simon Proven. I'm Baxter Colburn. With our manager being the one above, we are two up front.
Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service and our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.